TED Audio Collective. You have been called Dyke, Ugly Dyke, Bug-Eyed Freak. Mm -hmm. Who was it who wrote that to you? Unfortunately, it was me who wrote it to myself. Whoa. Yeah. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, I'm Dylan Marin, and this is Conversations with People Who Hate Me, the show where I take negative online comments and turn them into positive offline conversations. Sometimes I speak one-on-one with folks who have said negative things to me on the internet, and other times I moderate between people who have gotten into their own digital negativity with each other. Today, I'm moderating. Well, sort of. I'm talking to a woman named Allison who has been called a dyke and a bug-eyed freak by an anonymous poster on her social media accounts. Now, a quick heads up before we begin. This episode deals with a form of self-harm. If that's not a great topic for you to be hearing about, maybe this isn't the conversation for you. And hey, that is totally okay. Go do something fun. Treat yourself. Also, if you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts, there is no shame, but there is help. In the United States, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-800-273-8255. For international listeners, go to IASP.info to help find a crisis center near you. All right, with that being said, let's do this. Hey, is this Allison? This is. Hi, Allison. This is Dylan Marin. How are you? Um, pretty good. I worked my first Sunday shift. Oh my God, where do you work? I work for a crisis hotline. Oh wow, <laughs> that is yeah, very fitting. appropriate. <laughs> Seriously, what kind of crises are you dealing with? Really, anything. Yeah. Um, we deal with really simple crises, um, from you know, like grief to breakups and things like that. We mm. do deal with a lot of teenagers, Mm. um, depression, anxiety, different mental health disorders, and um, suicide very often. Wow. Well, let's start here. In only as many details as you're comfortable sharing, tell me about you. Um, Let's see. So I'm very much a um, rural girl with a leftist heart. Um, (laughs) Rural girl with a leftist heart. I feel like rural girl is a really hard thing to say now that I just said it out loud. So um, thank you for that tongue twister. twister. Yeah. So rural, I couldn't even say it. Rural (laughs) girl with a liberal heart. Great. Yes. Um, Cat lover, live in the middle of nowhere. Love it. So, Allison, what we're here to discuss is that you have received some online harassment. You have been called dyke, ugly dyke, bug-eyed freak, Mm -hmm. among other things. Allison, who was it who wrote that to you? 
Um, unfortunately, it was me who wrote it to myself. Whoa. Um, yeah. Okay, so there's a, a lot of questions to ask here. How bad did it get? Well, it started off maybe once a week sending a message or two, and then it got to the point where I was sending myself messages maybe three different days out of the week. Whoa. And um, they got very, like detailed and aggressive. I told myself a couple times actually to kill myself. And I mm. think that's what kind of eventually scared me. So, that, But that's so interesting. Did you feel that you almost couldn't control these things you were writing or, or was it just that thing and where you're just like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There's, there's the edge. I, I've reached it. I don't want to go any further. I think a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think I thought I was in control of it until I would kind of read things later on that I had answered and posted. Mm. Um, and you know, it was really upsetting to me, like, wow, I'm being so mean to myself and yet I'd go to do it again Mm. and realized like, you know, maybe this isn't something that I should do anymore. Maybe I've taken this too far. Is it hard to talk about this now? I've processed it a lot. I think that there's still some feelings of maybe guilt or shame, but not like towards others, towards myself, really. Mm. Like, Mm. you know, kind of wish I could go back in time and take care of little me a little bit. Mm. I apologize for how simple this question is, but what inspired you to write that to yourself? Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons, Mm. and some I still don't understand. I think that it was kind of this mentality of, I'll beat them to the punch. Mm. I know maybe I'll be accepted if I join in on it. I guess. What ages were you when you were writing this stuff to yourself? I want to say it started around age 12 and probably was completely done when I was 14. So tell me about you in this time. I was very sheltered. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been homeschooled on and off, didn't really know how to interact with my peers, very much into books, Uh, just discovering the internet and loving it because of all the connections I could make. Mm. I would kind of like, you know, sneak onto a tab and close it because I knew how to use computers pretty well right away. Mm. And I was looking at like YouTube comments and it was just sort of entertaining. I didn't really realize, you know, these are real people talking to each other. Mm. Convinced my parents to let me get like a nice space so I could keep in touch with friends. Mm. Oh, yeah. And the popularity game is terrible. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking about the popularity game on social media platforms. Yes. Yeah. What, how did that manifest for you? Um, I just wanted to be liked. Mm. I wasn't very liked in school. And I think the internet to me was like this different world where maybe, you know, I could kind of be a slightly different person mm. Um, mm. or seem cooler, you know, because you mm. can shape your social media presence. Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, I even know that as a sometimes confident adult. <laughs> You know, like, I like myself way more than I did in high school, but, you know, I still see myself shaping who I want to be on social media. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't think you can help it, honestly. Yeah. But, okay, so how are you writing these hateful comments to yourself, like dyke and ugly dyke and, um, as as you told me earlier, bug-eyed freak? Yeah, um... So there was this awful (laughs) website Mm -hmm. and um, it was very, very easy to send yourself hate because you could get your own mailbox. Like Mm. you could send yourself 
in two seconds flat, you just had to mark the anonymous option. So people can write an anonymous message and then it posts publicly or privately? Publicly. It's like a wall, like a Facebook wall. Oh my God, but it goes to your Facebook wall? Yes. Okay, so wow. So you can anonymously write something that will then be public. Right, yeah. I would get like a pile of things from other people, Mm -hmm. tons and tons of messages. And what were those messages like, Uh, the the messages from actual other people? They were actually really similar to the ones that I sent myself, Mm. Um, Hmm. mostly just like calling me ugly, telling me at times, um, you know, that I look anorexic. And my family is very poor, Mm. so a lot of stuff had to do with, like, the clothes I wore. Really Mm. typical middle school insults, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I would come home from school and immediately check it. If I didn't get anything or I got hateful messages I didn't like or I didn't think reflected what people really thought of me or what I thought of myself, I would send myself something along with it. Now, what made you want to to mimic the actual hate messages that you were getting or the, um, you know, classist uh, bullying messages you were getting? What made you want to mimic that? I think it was some self-hatred. I think Mm. I, you know, getting messages like that in person or online, you internalize it. And Mm. I think a part of me really did believe, you know, these things are true. Mm. Um, I think it was a control factor. I felt better when I was the one saying the mean things to myself Mm. as opposed to others. Mm. And maybe, um, you know, wanting to be accepted or have someone worry about me. Maybe someone could figure out it was me. Um, and reach out, you know. How would someone figure out that you were sending yourself anonymous messages if it's already an anonymous forum? I guess um, maybe the way it's typed out, you know, if it doesn't look like the normal messages I'm getting, if it sounds like me. I had some family on social media. That's so interesting. Did you not feel like you had resources to reach out to people with? Not really. I mean, I had a really small group of friends. Um, and in middle school, your friends can be your enemies in the same breath. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my mom, she was such a sweet woman, but she was like very close to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when you're so close to someone, you share everything and suddenly you feel like you can't, mm. you don't want to talk to them. Mm. Um, especially in those. Sorry to interrupt, but oh, I, I just especially in those times when you're going through so many changes, you you almost end up pushing away the people who are most loving to you in that weird way, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I was in so many arguments with my mom around that time, and it was just turbulent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at the time, we only had a male guidance counselor, mm. and he really meant well that he had no idea what he was doing. Um, <laughs> the best kind of guidance counselor. <laughs> the best. <laughs> Meant well, no idea what they're doing. Wonderful. Great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this this was your this was your safety net at school. Yeah. And that was about it. I mean, if you had an altercation argument at all, you were told, you know, well, don't fight back, turn the other cheek, you know, ignore it. And then if that didn't happen, you're sent to the guidance counselor. He would basically tell you the same exact thing. Mm. So no, I didn't really have anyone to reach out to. Mm-hmm. And and so in in a sense, the reason you're writing these hateful things to yourself is is a cry for help. Absolutely, yeah. Did you get anyone who responded to that call? Yes, actually. Um, so towards the end, 
um, when I was starting to realize it was becoming a problem. Mm. Um, I did have some family and friends who didn't directly call me out on it, um, but would comment, you know, like, you don't deserve to have to be told those things. You know, you deserve better than that. Mm. I made some friends um, that I did confide in that I was sending those messages to myself, at least some of them. What were those friends' reactions when you told them? You know, I really thought that they would judge me a little bit or, Uh you know, kind of think it was weird. But a lot of them actually admitted to doing the same thing. Really? I, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm so fascinated by this because I just, I didn't, I didn't know this was a thing. Mm-hmm. Was it almost like you, you felt that the world was being cruel to you and, and they were right. True people from your world were coming into this anonymous inbox to actually make fun of you, right. To actually tear mm-hmm. you down. So you're, in a sense, taking control of the situation. Right. Kind of joining the party. And I, I even tried to kind of one-up them, like, oh, okay, they're going to be this cruel, well, I'm going to be this cruel, you know. But really, the only one paying the price was you, because you were the recipient right. of the messages. Yeah. So you thought your friends would judge you. They revealed, actually, that's not weird at all. Some of them have done it, too right? Yeah. And I wound up um, getting counseling. My mother, I didn't really tell her specifically what was going on, but she realized the internet was becoming like a major problem. Um, And she got me into counseling at an awesome local agency. Mm. Um, And when I told my counselor about it a couple of sessions and she seemed surprised, but at the same time, Absolutely not. Mm. Um, we talked about how self-harm really evolves with technology. Yeah, that's so that's interesting. So would you consider this a form of self-harm? Absolutely. But this this counselor helped you out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm. She validated a lot of my feelings, explained to me, you know, mm. um, kind of the the culture of being a teenager and um pretty much that it was it was normal for me as yeah. sad as it is to really hate myself. Yeah. So that was the turning point for you, right? Definitely. Huh. And just want to check in again, you're comfortable talking about this, right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Great. So, um two of these messages you sent yourself, uh Dyke and Ugly Dyke, was that almost like a form of coming out for you? Stay right there. We'll be right back. Before we continue, I just want to say thanks for being here. Also, you can be on this show too. Has someone said something negative about you online, or maybe you've said something negative about someone else? Either way, after this episode is over, go to www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com where you can fill out a guest form. And if you don't want to be on this show, that is totally cool. I appreciate you just the same. Maybe consider telling a friend about this show. Word of mouth has brought this podcast around the world, so your recommendation goes a long way. All right, let's get back to the conversation. Two of these messages you sent yourself, uh, Dyke and Ugly Dyke, was that almost like a form of coming out for you? Yeah, ironically, like looking back, that was one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle for me to process on my own. I was struggling really hard to come out as bisexual. Yeah. And I I think it goes back to the beating them to the punch thing. A Mm. lot of people were kind of figuring it out. 
Oh, so there and, were there were people whose whose gaydar was going off, and oh yeah, 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 <laughs> got it, got it, and and you were like, I'm gonna say it before you can say it, but I'm not gonna say right. it publicly, or rather, exactly. I'm not gonna it, say it as myself. Yes, it almost turned into sort of a really mean diary for a while. Yeah, a really mean diary role play, essentially, where your <laughs> diary is writing back to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to make light of what you're doing. I, I just uh, no, I agree. What was the timeline between kind of realizing that you were bisexual and then starting to articulate it in this very nasty way against yourself? Strangely, it was very short. I think around 12 and a half, 13, I started to go, oh, I am different. Shortly thereafter, starting to to send these mean messages as people began to speculate. Rumors started to fly, maybe because of the messages I sent myself Hmm. and the ones that followed from other people. Hmm. But you were the the catalyst. Yes. So the rumors started because of the messages that you were sending anonymously to yourself. Right. And a strange way it did the footwork. Yeah. No, I, 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 while I just wish that your younger self had an easier time, I, I, I get what you were doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of softened the blow, um, made it less of a surprise. And because people just thought it came from this anonymous person or group of people, um, when I did come out around 14, um, there was some backlash, mm. but it, I feel like it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And I was able to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, people have called me that before. Mm. You know, as time moved on, I think it was easier for me with friends and family that I felt more vulnerable around because I was able to say, well, you know, um, these people have been so mean to me or, or mm. you know, homophobia is a real thing. And here's proof. Whoa. I mean, but but see, this is this is where this is hard for me because like homophobia is real, right? That it, that mm-hmm. is a true part of our world, and you know, fellow queer people uh, see signs much more than our straight and cis family members do, right? So like, you're not making up this thing that isn't real, but you're almost giving a voice to the hate that you know is out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's such a complex thing. There was there's so many reasons and I'm sure other people have done this have had their own reasons, but it was like almost to amplify the things that already existed and be able to just shove it in someone's face and prove it. Um because, you know, it depends on the time or place. Yeah. Is someone going to see this real thing happen to me? Yeah. Huh. So the coming out process um was easier because of this. I think so. I think I honestly desensitized myself a little bit Hmm. ahead of the time. Because you were like role-playing the worst-case scenario of what this could be. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you you brought this up earlier. You said this thing that that stuck with me. You said, I wish I could go back to my younger self and be better. Mm -hmm. What would you say right now to your younger self? That's a tough one. Hmm. Um... I guess that I just tell her like the stereotypical stuff she wouldn't have listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. She would have been like, get out of here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that it's temporary. Um, and that, you know, 
these people who are hurting you suck and you're not even going to remember half their names in 10 years. Mm. Um, time moves a lot faster than you think. And you're going to meet some really amazing lifelong friends who mm. actually care about you and stick with you. Mm. Yeah. I always think about what I'd say to my, the younger version of me, but it's like, it is always that thing like, oh my God, like this thing that you think is the most important thing in the whole world, yes. you're not going to remember it in three years, you know? Uh-huh. I look back at boyfriends, I'm like, what was his name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you don't even remember their names. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, this person who has given me the most heartbreak in my whole life. And by whole life, you mean the life you've lived up, up until that point. But it's like... Mm -hmm. There is so much beauty and fun things beyond that point, you know? Um, yeah. And the most important thing is to kind of just, you know, survive to see it. Right. But of course, I would be remiss to, you know, even suggest that it's easy to have that foresight. You know what I mean? It's e as if it's oh, yeah. easy to, like, look forward. But, you know... My question for you is is for anyone listening right now who is younger or not younger, for people who are experiencing this at any age, since you went through this, what is advice you would give to them? You know, just people are judgmental, but not everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and rejection is terrifying, but mm. it is going to save you so much effort to just reach out, risking the rejection, knowing that out of, you know, the 10 people you approach, five of them are probably going to understand at least enough to help you out. And specifically for kids who are bullying themselves through social media, mm -hmm. what, what would you say to them if they're doing it right now? If it feels like a problem, it probably is a problem. Mm. And now I think the logical next question that I have for you is what are some resources that you would recommend for anybody going through this, anybody engaging in specifically cyber self-harm? You know, if the internet or apps or phones are your way of self-injury, I would suggest, you know, using a positive spin on that. Um, contact your local crisis text line. They're mm. awesome. Mm. And most of them are 24-7, so... Yeah doesn't matter if you're up way past your bedtime. I'm going to get <laughs> yeah. back to you. Well, this is, th that's a great segue to ask what is. <laughs> the, is. Is there like one crisis text line that people can use? Yeah. So the crisis text line in the U.S., um, the national one, you text the word home to 741-741, and it's 24-7. That's the word three. home, H-O-M-E, to 741-741? Yes. That's correct. Um, but I also have to say, in a very interesting twist, you actually now work for this crisis text line. Yes. Um, and that does tie into my experiences with this. There were some times, you know, before I went to my counseling appointment, that linkage wasn't made. And somehow I stumbled probably like on Tumblr or something. I wasn't mm. supposed to be on either. <laughs> <laughs> great. But, but you upon, found something um, healthy and good. Okay, great. I found, yeah, it's on the internet. A miracle. Oh, great. God bless. <laughs> And I found um, uh, a crisis text line, and I just texted them. I was just testing waters mm. to see if someone got back to me. And I don't know why I viewed the worker as less than an adult, but I think there was the ability to stay anonymous. And I think that helped me because it was like 
I wasn't a specific person with a problem. I was a person with a problem, mm. non-judgmental, very supportive. Mm. What you mentioned earlier is that you did not come from very many financial means. Um, in fact, I think the word you right. used was poor, right? Yeah. Um, grew up very lower middle class, working class. So your family did not have the means to uh, afford access to mental health care, and yet there are still ways to get access to mental health care, even if you don't have the money to pay for it. Right, yeah. So, like, these crisis lines, they're normally not licensed professionals, or if they are, they can't act with their license through the job. Mm -hmm. Um, But oftentimes, they can get people hooked to nonprofits that are either going to be free or at least sliding scale, Mm. so much more accessible. Mm. It's so funny when when you first reached out to me, I had no idea that you worked for a crisis text line, and it was so funny <laughs> because all all day today I was kind of like searching for the best resources that I would be including with this, and it's it's just like fortuitous <laughs> that uh, the, <laughs> the person I'm talking to about this works for a crisis text line. Truly, and I I, I hope this doesn't come off as empty. I mean this like with every ounce of my heart, but like, thank you for the work you do. You know, I, I just think that's like, so many people use this as a resource. Oh, a lot of people, especially young people. Like yeah. most of the people who text us are very young people. Yeah. Cause it can be embarrassing to seek help, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it can be, it can feel embarrassing to see, seek help. It is not embarrassing to seek help. Right. You know, it's funny at the end of this show, I say, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that needs to kind of be adjusted for this episode because it's like, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen, even if that person is you. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, Allison, really, truly, thank you so much for, for sharing what you did with me. Um, thank you for right. providing resources for the people who are listening. Thank you. And, um, Any final things you want to say? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to how to help people who are doing this, I think it's also important to think, what if you're a parent Mm. of someone who's doing this? Or if you're a parent of a child, you don't know if they're doing this or not. I feel like with my parents, the internet was a very new concept. Mm. So it was very intimidating. Mm -hmm. And they kind of just gave me free range. Mm. Um, And I want parents know like as long as you start with children young Mm. um using those parental controls and being respectful and having that mutual respect it's going to help prevent a lot of problems to have that open communication Mm. instead of waiting until they're a moody teenager yeah so you mean putting parental controls on internet use yeah and not even like you know apps or add-ons yeah but being that human element, um, asking them who they're talking to, asking them, you know, if they're comfortable online, you don't need to go into specifics if it's not going anywhere, but just regularly checking in on them, just like you would if they're going over to a friend's house, because they are. Yeah. 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 They're going to a digital, uh, another person's digital doorstep. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, I think, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I think it's also important to acknowledge that the internet is not just this bad place where bad things happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the internet has been an amazing platform for me. I've made a lot of friends online and found a lot of resources, free resources online that I would have 
would not have been able to access otherwise. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, just like the world, the Internet's complicated. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Allison, uh, really, truly, thank you so much for talking to me today. I'll say it for the millionth time, but (laughs) thank you for the work you do. And, um, well, I guess I'll see you on the Internet. Sounds good. Thanks, Dylan. Sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. If you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts, there is no shame, but there is help. In the United States, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-800-273-8255. For international listeners, go to IASP.info to help find a crisis center near you. And, like Allison said, for those of you in the United States, you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 for free 24-7 crisis support. Conversations with People Who Hate Me is a production of Night Vale Presents. Vincent Cachione is the sound engineer and mixer. Christy Gressman is the executive producer. The theme song is These Dark Times by Caged Animals. The logo was designed by Rob Wilson. And this podcast was created, produced, and hosted by me, Dylan Marin. Special thanks to Adam Cecil, Emily Moeller, and our publicist, Megan Larson. And today, an extra special thank you to Dr. Jill Harkavy-Friedman from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention for her advice on this episode. We release episodes every other week, so I'll see you in two weeks with a brand new conversation. Until then, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen. Racing through these dark times And it's hard to take it We're gonna make it through these dark times Make it through these dark times Make it through these dark times